0: Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 19 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and uh, happy new year. This is the first episode of 2020. Um, if you're listening to this, it is January 2nd uh, when this podcast is being posted, and i um, really excited to kick off the new year uh, with our guest this week. I have the head coach uh, for University of Southern California, Chris Zambri. Um, Chris is in his 14th season at USC, uh, where he was a player uh, from 1989 to '93. Um, he spent some time on the Nationwide Tour, uh, which is now the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, spent about six years playing there, um, has done some teaching as well, um, has had a heck of a track record at USC. I'm just going to throw out a couple highlights because um, there's a lot of things to talk about, but in his time at USC, or since 2006, um, Chris's teams have won 32 tournaments um, 30 individuals, uh, from their team have won titles since 2006. They've won three pack 12 titles, three regional titles, uh, this past year, 2019, uh, has, they have won three tournaments and that marks the fifth straight year, uh, with at least two wins, uh, that the USC Trojans have had, uh, for the men's golf team and 12 out of the last 13 years, Uh, They have made the NCAA National Championship Tournament. So um, Chris and I had a really awesome talk a few weeks ago. Um, Like I said, this episode's coming out as the first episode to kick off the new year. I hope you guys had a great 2019. Um, And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode and what's to come um, in the 2020 year for the podcast. So I'm just focused on bringing... You know some exciting new guests in. I'm gonna kind of throw a couple curveballs out there with some people that you may not expect uh, to be on the podcast, but uh, people that I think are gonna bring really good value to this audience. We're gonna, of course, drive everything back to um, bringing you guys some value around what we can do to help you navigate uh, this junior golf space. So I really appreciate your guys' attention uh, as we move into the second season of this show. Um, And if you guys sit tight, I'll be right back with more from Chris Zambri. All right, everybody. Welcome back to episode 20 of Junior Golf Keys. I really appreciate you joining us this week. Uh, I've got a great guest in Chris Zambri, who is the head coach at USC, University of Southern California, uh, who's been there for going into his 14th year um, at USC, played at USC as well um so kind of a neat um position that he's in now to be able to coach at his alma mater so got Chris on the line. Chris, how's it going? Everything's great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you joining us. Um we met a couple years ago out in San Diego at Tory Pines. Um got to spend a few minutes with you on the 18th green while you were watching one of your recruits come down the stretch and uh glad we could reconnect and and jump on, talk a little bit about junior golf, yeah, thanks for having me. I look forward to it, yeah, good deal. So we were talking a little bit earlier about you know just the the basis of this show, and I was explaining that you know I really wanted to build a platform where parents and players and even some coaches out there uh, can have a resource and and learn some things about the junior golf space, so um obviously college golf is something that's a huge focus on the radar for young junior players so i want to get into that but could you kind of start off and just give us a little intro and uh who you are how you got introduced to the game of golf and what's led you to where you are now sure um so
1: so i'm a native californian i grew up uh basically in ventura county which is about 50 miles northwest of los angeles and um I uh, played all sports as a kid and then decided to, uh, I actually had heart issues. Uh, I, I was born with a heart defect and started to prevent me from being able to run. Um, and so certain sports were off limits for me. And so probably had something to do with me gravitating towards golf. And um I started to focus on golf as like a freshman in high school and was basically, you know, an 80s to mid 80s shooter and um, just did what, you know, all golfers, I think all junior golfers need to do, which is just start going to the course every single day and um, gradually became a decent player and was lucky enough to go to USC and play golf there. Um, And then once I left, I decided I was going to try professional golf and ended up doing it for 11 years and had some success, um, had some, some really thrilling, moments and uh, I loved loved the pursuit of trying to become a pro golfer and become a successful one Um, and then finally I I'd love to eat more than I love that pursuit so I had to to stop and uh, I had a family and so it was time to move on and then you know uh, long story short I ended up just being really fortunate to get this job at USC as the head men's golf coach and I see with every passing year, how fortunate I was because I had never been a coach before and to be able to step into a place that um, has a long tradition of, of being a competitive golf program. And, and, and then on top of it, I inherited what, what turned out to be a player of the year as a freshman and a, uh, and Jamie Lovemark and then another kid who was a first teamer his second year in Rory. He, I just, I feel very fortunate that I not only got this opportunity, but then um, kind of had a, a safe uh, landing and a soft landing with these players that kind of helped me get my feet under me as a coach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've had a lot of really good success in your 14th. Is this your 14th or 15th year? This is my 14th year. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you've had a lot of really good success in, in that time. I mean, you've, uh 12 out of the last 13 years, uh, made it to the NCAA championships, um, had a streak there going until I think 2018 of 11 consecutive, um, which is very impressive. Three regional titles and three pack 12 titles. Um, you know, I don't want to run through a whole catalog of things, but you guys have won a lot of tournaments in your time there. You've had a lot of individuals win. Um, can you just kind of talk about what your time there has been and kind of what how the program has grown since you came in um or just developed gosh. and changed
1: yeah it, um let's see you know we've 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 been successful we've been competitive um you know the, the albatross that that hangs over me and and it, it might just be a permanent thing who knows <laughs> i mean we're 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 trying to win a national title and yeah. and i know that there's Three hundred plus teams all with the same goal every year and and um, really would like to get that done, but um, you know it, it comes down to for for us and for every other program out there that wants to be competitive at a real high level it comes down to recruiting really good players and then trying to develop an environment where they can improve and move forward instead of maybe stagnating or, or or you know worst of all move in the wrong direction which quite frankly is 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 very possible with this game it's just a very unique game and and has a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of mysteries that go with golf and and um and why people play well and and why they don't and i would i would say to add to to what we do at usc you know one of the things that we focus on data a lot because I think there's a lot of, of, of truth and her stories in the data and we we try to use it to kind of give us direction. so I guess if there's one thing that we've done at USC is really embrace the changes that have come about because of guys like Mark Brody and strokes gained and sure. And really, and, and that we're not unique in that way, but that's kind of been our focus. And, um, you know there's been some ups and downs but uh, i've been really fortunate and lucky to to have good kids who who turned out to be pretty good golfers and and we've made some nice runs i i really hope that that we continue to do that and that's you know my what i wake up thinking about every day is how do we um, make sure that we're competitive as a team and that the guys are are getting in the better position to reach their dreams and
0: goals which is to play golf for a living yeah yeah um, yeah, I wasn't going to bring up the national title, but I know that that's something that's hanging out there that I think any coach that's had as much success as you have and hasn't been able to reach that uh, goal yet. Um, it's definitely something that you're thinking about. So it's kind of interesting to to hear your perspective. And just you had mentioned something kind of when you were doing your intro a little bit about uh, playing professional golf and how you fell in love with the pursuit. And I mean, is that transferable and, and relatable in terms of like where you are now? I mean, are you really uh, ingrained and entrenched in that pursuit of the national championship or, or not? I mean, where are you that way? Um. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think you,
1: you start doing anything and then you, you get, you know, your feet under you and then it's like everything kicks in. And, yeah. and so once, you know, I figured out that this was my, my life and this is what my job, and this is what, you know, it, it it just became like trying to be a golfer became which is like not an obsession but it it you become singularly focused and you know what I love about the job is that you know all the things that I used to be able to to wake up and try to achieve as one person, I get to do that with, you know, seven to ten on a daily basis and, and mm. I, I don't have complete um I don't have the only two hands on that ship, uh, steering that ship, but I but I do get to be involved and I just love I love that. I love trying to help guys figure out how to get better at golf. Yeah. You know, that's is, that's what I love most about the job.
0: Yeah. Is that is that responsibility only golf related for you as a coach? I mean, how do you take that responsibility of just developing people and players. Yeah. Um, You know, it's, it's it's a great question because sometimes,
1: sometimes I even say to myself, is that all I'm doing here? And then I, when I really sit back and think about how I've conducted this job over the years, I, I know that I'm, I've done way more than that, than just been a golf guy. I, you know, like there's right and there's wrong. And I mean, nothing is worth achieving if it's not done right, you know, and, and, sure. and, and if, if, if you have to be a, you know, I don't want everything about being a good person, treating people nicely, doing the right thing um takes precedent over anything else. In my opinion, like, you know, there's some things going on in golf right now that I just can't imagine what some people what's going through their head with the turmoil that's happening in their, in their golfing life and and being able to, to be comfortable with it. Whereas I, I just couldn't imagine, um, you know, every day we wake up our goal, become great golfers, but along the way there's a million opportunities for me as a coach, um, to help a young person learn, Hey, you know, that. What you did there, you know. Let's 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 think about it, and let's understand how that probably could have gone differently, and how you could have done better with the decision you made, and and so that's a, like an every day, every moment part of the job is yeah. is guiding. You know, whether whether it's something simple as you know being in an airport and being too loud, and just say, hey guys, we're not the only ones in here. <laughs> um, to to far bigger things than that, but I think that's just part of you know, the fact that I'm an adult and and getting up there in age and that's part of the duties is to help them become better.
0: Yeah. People. Yeah. Can you go into some of the specifics of what you're alluding to in terms of, you know, just some of the things that are going on out there Um, just to try to bring some value to some of the young players?
1: I was just talking about like, to you know, I don't want to throw a guy under a bus, but like this thing that's going on with Patrick Reed right now, which is, um, pretty heavy duty coming out of the tiger challenge and then heading to the president's cup. And, and um, I don't know, I, I it, when you make big mistakes like that. And, and I, I feel like he made a mistake and maybe it was, you know, in his defense, maybe it was a, an honest error um, at the tiger tournament, but that, that stuff's bigger than golf, you know, yeah. like you, you, you know, it, it, we're kind of become a country of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. But in the end, you know, your your reputation is more important than than anything, really, that you, in my opinion, it, it would be maybe I'm too sensitive or something. But I would just think that. You want to be known if you want to achieve greatness, but you want to achieve it in a way that you can hold your head high, you know, for sure, forever. And and and, you know, I, I I don't think you can lose sight of of these things just because maybe you're being you you're, you've become successful at something and you're you're winning versus losing and you know that that doesn't take um, precedent over doing the right thing always.
0: Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the, one of the things that I love about the game of golf. I mean, I think a lot of other sports, cause I, like you grew up playing multiple sports, um, other sports can teach you a lot of different things, but I personally believe, uh, you may feel similarly that the game of golf is draws so many parallels to the game of life. And, you know, from, uh, you know, being able to have the opportunity to call penalties on yourself, um, you know, just to the game of honor, um, you know, some of the attributes that you can build through the game, um just as an individual um, that all revolve a lot around character. I mean, take out the, you know, hard work and dedication and preparation and all those things, but just character building moments. Uh, I think there's a lot of those that we can take away from the game of golf.
1: There's so many. I, I, um so my son is a 17 year old senior in high school and he's a junior golfer and he'll be, um, he's going to come play for me next year. And so I've been in a nice position where I'm learning to empathize and and understand uh, more about junior golfers, more about junior golf parents. Um, and, and, you know, along that lines, I was, I was with um, my son yesterday. He was playing in a tournament, and there was a parent out there, and we were talking after the round. and 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 when you talk about the things you learn from golf, one of them being, there's a better way to say this is there's so many opportunities to practice things like accountability and things like bouncing back from adversity and, and and the reason is is you're the only one out there like you're gonna go you go play golf you've got you know you play baseball you're gonna you're gonna get up maybe four times a day and you're gonna get maybe three balls hit at you mm-hmm. right so there's your total contribution practically for the day right whereas in golf you're gonna have 70 to 80 different acts sure and and there's so much opportunity for good and there's, there's a lot of opportunity for bad and you have to learn to deal with both and you have to learn to deal with them a lot yeah and, and that's another thing that golf provides is just provides so many reps in dealing with you know, good and bad and how to conduct yourself and how to maintain your focus. And, and that's not even really necessarily getting into the, the, the other things that we were just talking about, which is, is learning to conduct yourself with integrity and honor, but, but also learning how to control emotions, There's just so many lessons in golf,
0: um, so, yeah, I think it's really neat. I had my dad on uh, a couple of weeks ago and I think it's really neat. I actually didn't know you had a son uh, that was coming to play for you. And um, I think that's really interesting. I mean, you can, you've got a couple, you know, a couple good examples out there of fathers and sons that have played golf at a very high level. Um, I had a kid named Max Moldovan on, uh, recently he was committed to go to Ohio state. His dad's a, sure. an instructor. Um, they've got a really good relationship His dad has taught him a lot about the game. Um, my dad and I have a similar relationship. You look at Justin Thomas and his father. Um, so, I mean, when you sit back as a dad, but also as a, you know, high level D one coach, is there some separation there in terms of, you know, how you've brought your son up in the game, or can you kind of talk about that relationship and the dynamics that you guys have gone through? Sure. Um,
1: It's been a a very rewarding, but also educational experience for me. Um, Not often do you have an opportunity as a golf person to have somebody under your care from day 1 when it comes to the game. And so I've I've really learned a lot through what Joe my son Joseph and I have have um gone through together from the time he decided he wanted to take golf pretty seriously and into this moment and I've learned a lot about it's just I, I I've learned so many things about on um, on the instructional side um, you know as a, as a golf coach at a university generally we, we, we have kids on our team who who have instructors and have had many instructors and maybe they have a, a one now that they see more regularly right and then they have our input and and as a, as someone who's along for the ride in that case uh, you know there, there's never do you really feel like you have full control over the situation and final say? Um, And so there's always that kind of scapegoat as a, as a college coach, like, yeah, well, he's not, he's not really listening in this case. I've had, you know, carte blanche. with My son. And, and it's really been a humbling experience because it's just really difficult (laughs) to, to become a great golfer. It just is. And he's, he's working his way there and he's getting there. He, he, he qualified for the U S amateur over the summer. And I was on his bag when he qualified and it was just me, you know, probably the best day I've ever had in golf. Yeah, that's cool. Magical day and 36 holes. And then we ended up going to Pinehurst and he did. Okay. He struggled in spots and played decently in others. And, um, but it's just been a, I mean, other than the rewarding experiences that come with being able to spend time with your kid and, and, and actually enjoying each other's company and, and sharing a passion, which have been more valuable than the things I've learned in the golf sense. But as, a, as someone who's trying to become a, a steward and a helper for, for young people in this game, it's just been a real um, learning experience for me on, on just the ins and outs of golf and the ups and downs. And not to mention – not to even – Sorry, I just got an just got an Amber alert. Um, so oh, did you? Yeah. Not to All mention right. the the ups and downs of a of what it goes, what 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 a kid goes through as a junior golfer and a parent. And I feel so fortunate that you know I I know I I haven't had the, the same experiences as these junior golf parents because they're you know in my mind it, it, as long as Joey continued to make progress, I felt like he had a place where he was going to be able to go play college golf. And and that is very rare that people have those kinds of assurances. And so, although my, my experience has been similar, I, I know that there there's definitely a ton more stress um, that goes with bringing up a young golfer who's, who wants to end up playing college golf. Yeah. Um, and that's the part that I, I, I don't want to lose sight of and and don't want to overlook because I can imagine how stressful that could be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I, um, I, mean, I I'll give you a quick example. Uh, um Joey was applying to come to USC and he he had to be approved to 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 be admitted as an athlete. And um and this is probably a very very familiar story to some parents, but you know his his ranking inexplicably Went the wrong way um, towards the end of the summer, and he was actually playing some really good golf. But it went from, you know, around twentieth in the state to like fortieth in the state, and and um, and so I decided to to write a an email to the guy who runs junior golf scoreboard, Mac Thayer, and, and yeah. say, hey, Mac, you know, just ask And he's and he you know jokingly replied. Oh boy. Another parent. Trying to, you know, he was, <laughs> I've known Mac for a while, but, it, but I did, I had generally like what happened here? Because he seemed like um, he was moving in the right direction and, right. and, and you know, Mac had to explain the rankings to me, but so I can, you know, and that's just a small story about what a junior golfer and his parents must be going through from the time they become a freshman or eighth grader all the way up until the time they, sign a letter of intent or commit to a school. And so, you know, your podcast is a valuable one because it is a, a, a very fun and enjoyable process on one hand, but it can also
0: be a source of some stress. Yeah. Yeah. So let's unpack this a little bit. So I'm really interested in a couple of things that you said um, and I want to really bring some value to some parents that are out there. So, I mean, You know, you're talking about your experience and you've played golf at a high level. You're coaching at a high level. You've got a lot of really good experience in golf um, as a professional. And there are a lot of parents out there that don't, but they want, you know, they have kids that are really good players and, or they're, you know, have potential to be really good players. You know, can you help those parents understand a little bit about what is their role as a parent? Um, and just trying to help create opportunity for their kid to reach their potential. Because you said something that I think is super important and I want to point it out when you were talking about your son, when you realized that he made the decision that he wanted to start taking it seriously. And I think that that's a really important piece of probably what's helped with your guys' relationship is him making that decision And I think, um, or I don't think I know, I've seen some situations, unfortunately, where the player isn't always making that decision. And so can you just give some parents some thoughts around how they can be a good support system and a tool um, to help create opportunity for their young players? Sure, Uh,
1: that's a great question. Um, You know, didn't know I would be going down this road wasn't on the tip of my tongue, but I certainly, yeah, I have a piece of advice in that case, which is if your kid doesn't want to do this and, and if given the choice on a daily basis to go or not go to the course, any way that they would continuously choose not to go, then golf is going to be a tough road for this kid because they got to want it so badly and and they got to want it. In a way that if you never asked them as a parent or never brought up going to the course, they've got to make the decision that that's something that they love and, and just have an incredible desire to do. Now, now there's always the thought that maybe, maybe, maybe the child or your child doesn't understand the level of commitment required to become great. Like maybe they want to become great. So there's two different things, I guess, when you think about it. Maybe yeah. they want to become great. Um, and they decide they're gonna to go to the course all the time. Or maybe they want to become great and they think they can go to the course a couple of days a week and they will. And so right. as as a parent, maybe you think of it this way, which is your job is to teach them, they, they have to understand what is required. If and you know, these are the things I talk about when I when I do a camp. And I always try to get out at some point, like, gosh, I, I hope you guys understand the level of commitment required to, to become great at the sport, which is it has to be pretty much an, an all, you know, a daily thing, you know, that, that like you can skip some days, but you can't skip many. Right. And, you know, the other thing about golf that makes it different than other sports is you, it's not as um, taxing on your body to the it, it not to say that it's not at, at some level but for the most part you can kind of play and practice all day as a young person sure. and and get up tomorrow and do it again which is makes it different than maybe some other sports like boxing or you name it right. playing playing you know there's a reason why the nba takes days off it's just hard on the body to do it every day but the deal is in golf if you want to become great at it and he, and and just if you simply look at what the examples are on the PGA tour. And if you were to take a kid like Justin Thomas and take a kid like Jordan speed and, pr- and, and then, okay. So we, we, just cherry picked off the top. But if you take people from the middle and from the bottom and you ask them when you were about 14, how often would you go to the course on a weekly basis? Mm-hmm. The answer is going to be six or seven times a week, unless they're from Minnesota or Wisconsin or the, <laughs> right. or, the, or the Northeast. And, um, yeah. and so so I, I I understand what your question is, but I, I do think as a parent, your job is to make sure your 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 son or daughter understands that if you really want to be great, and and you know the definition of great, let's say the definition of great is you're going to go play Division One golf, um, and and you want to compete and and be an all American and then maybe go on to play professional golf. I think your your job as a parent is to make sure that it's clear that that's the requirement but once you once that's understood if if at that point your child still doesn't really want to make that level of commitment then that's how it's going to be you know you, you, you can't twist somebody's arm to to give what it takes to become an incredibly great golfer. You, yeah. It just, it yeah. has to be something they decide and something they do because sure. at one, at some point your level of control as a parent will, will, will dissipate your, your kid. will end up going off to college and then it's up to them. and And if, if you've had to twist their arm in order to go hone their skills on a daily basis for four years or five or six years, um, Eventually, that when they're not motivated, you know, intrinsically and on their own, they're going to stop working, you know. Yeah. And so, so I, I I hear your question. I, I think parents have a really big role. I've been, you know, at a lot of my camps. I I, I just think kids are very young. Um, I think you know when you're talking about not just motivating to get them to the course or or making sure they understand the importance of practicing a lot. Um, but also, you know, really being um, a great source of, of information. And, and, and then where do you get the information? You get it from diving in as a parent and trying to understand, okay, who's the best teacher in town? Who's the best teacher in the state? And, and, and even that requires a, another higher level of research because sometimes those rankings aren't all they're cracked up to be. And so sure. really doing your job to, to help put your child in a position to continue to improve. Um, and that, that takes, even if you're not a golfer, there, there's certain things that you can do to, to help in the process of guiding your
0: child in their pursuit of becoming great. Yeah. So what if we flip it a little bit and say, like, we were just talking to parents, right? Keeping the same sort of stuff in mind and from a parent's point of view, what advice do you have for players kind of about the same topic? Like, you know, how do they express, you know, what their desires are to their parents? You know, how do they show them that, you know, this is what I want to do and, um, or I, I need more information about what it takes, you know, to to get to the next level. Is there anything that you can point out for young players that are listening? That's a great question because,
1: in the end, you know, there's an old saying: "You don't know what you don't know," <laughs> and so right. it's um, it, it it just you know, your question brings up a a, a point that's worth saying which is yeah man the stars they really kind of have to align for a young person to go from starting in a sport to getting on the pga tour and, and a lot of it comes from being fortunate enough to to be surrounded by people who not only support you but are you know financially and emotionally but are also there to provide guidance and help and push you in the right direction and and um whether it be your folks or a pro at the local course, you know, so many things have to go right for someone to, to go from that, that first time hitting golf balls to to ending up on the PGA tour. And some of it is, is kind of luck. Like there, you know, in answer to your question, I just don't know of a, of a, you know, other than you want to be a pro, you want to become great. I would, what I would do is I would, try to find as many articles and books about you know written by golf professionals or interviews of golf pros or, or interviews of junior golfers and college golfers and and just to try to get an insight into what their process was you know if you're listening to this i would say you better be going to the course every day and you better spend as much time there as possible and hopefully my my next bit of advice would be, hopefully you'll spend it on, around the greens, and on the greens because I think it's a place that you can develop without incredible um, teaching. Like I, I think there's parts of yeah. the game that really require a trained eye, and sure, and to spend hours and hours beating balls without a trained eye around to help you with the feedback, um, I think can, it can at times be um, maybe not time well spent. Whereas I do think that time around the greens and on the greens, you know, the feedback is a little more obvious, like, Hey, I hit that one too hard. Hey, I I didn't hit it hard enough. Um, Hey, that went a little too far left. And you know, there's a lot that goes with hitting a ball, really well you know on a driving range or off the tee that requires some really good help or or a lot of luck whereas man if you spend a lot of time around the greens and on the greens you you probably will progress um continuously even if you're not necessarily in this perfect environment where you're getting unbelievable instruction um so i guess that would be i i don't know of another way other than you know, you got to dive in. Hopefully, your parents will dive in with you and you, you'll do the necessary research and, and, and quest, you know, go on a quest to, to understand what has made these, these pros great, what's made these young people great. You know, you're going to find a, a pretty similar story. They go to the course a lot. They probably have, you know, whether it be lucky or not lucky, they probably have someone in their life, an instructor who's, who's been helpful. Um, and, and, you know, and they're committed and, and, you know, yeah. the, def- the definition of commitment in my mind is probably playing golf almost every day or practicing. And that's it's a huge commitment, but that's what people are doing. That's what, that's what your, your competitors and, and the people that you're going to be, um, vying for these spots, that's what they're doing. And so if you want to be part of that mix, then you got to give that, you got to give up some, some of your life for it.
0: Yep. Yep. Certainly a uh, sacrifice to reaping a reward at a high level. Yep. Right. Um, yeah. It's something that I've talked a lot about on this show with some of the different guests. Cause I've had some high level junior players on here. I've had some college players. I've had some other college coaches. Um, I love that you point out, you know, the work around the greens. Um, Cause you know, I agree. I think it's just a place where you can, you know, develop with, little professional instruction, right? Um, you can, you know, you can sit there with 10 balls and figure out how to, you know, hit a chip shot with every club in your bag and get creative and, you know, those types of things or create some different shots around the greens that are going to help you out on the course um, on those days where your ball striking isn't in a great place. Yeah, and let's face um, it, no one's going
1: to hit every green.
0: It never has happened on on
1: a consistent <laughs> basis. It never will. For sure. Even if you're great, yeah. you're going to, even if you're maybe the best ever, you're probably going to chip five or six times around, including the work you do around par fives after your second shot. And so
0: it's unavoidable that this is going to be part of your game. Yeah. I mean, I had a player tell me one time, really good player. um, Well, if I can just continue to hone in my iron play and my wedge play, um, I won't need to worry about, my short yeah, game around the green. Sure you will.
1: I mean, if, if you had a chance to watch the President's Cup this past weekend, could you imagine yeah. showing up at Royal Melbourne without a short game? Like, you you, you would literally oh lose, you know, eight and seven in every match you played. It, there was so right. much going on around those greens and required such a high level of expertise. Um, and, you know, I I'd look at guys like, justin thomas and if you just watch him play like okay he hits it hard and high and some of that is hard to teach but all the other stuff so like the way he played the first hole it seemed like all week he kept having a two-footer for birdie after a really nasty tough pitch shot and yeah without that part of the game and and that's the part that you you're not going to be able to develop it by Getting a, a quick tip out of a, a magazine or like those things just come with time spent and just repetition, the repetition yeah. and and work and and making sure that you carve up your practice time in a in a manner that best suits you for and for for most people that better be probably fifty percent minimum on and around the greens sure. and I think even if you had the best instructor you could possibly find in the world, you'd still want to spend probably 70% of your time around the greens
0: and yeah. on the greens. Yeah. A lot of the conversations that I've had with high level players and professional players too, a lot of people in the way that they're you know, looking to spend their time, that are really good players when they're practicing. Most of the time they're practicing their short game. If they're working on something, they're hitting some balls, um, but they're spending their time out on the course Short game, and we're talking short game, what would you call it, 125 and in? Uh, yeah, I, then... I would. I, would I, I think for so many people, it, it's
1: really hard to find a place where you can actually get that kind of work done. And so when I think of mm-hmm. it, I think of, you know, like find a good chipping green and a good putting green. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you're really fortunate and there's a, a simulator or a place where you can hit your own balls or, or you, you know, it, it's hard to – to get into that and it's, 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 it's not super critical to be great from 65 yards or because you just, well, you can plan ahead and not run into that shot, but, but it's helpful. And, and, and it's it's just as a young person, gosh, it's so hard to find places where you can get that kind of work done. Um, But, but I would agree, ideally it would be from one twenty-five and in, because now you're dealing with shots that aren't full and there's nuance and there's, you know there might be three ways you want to hit a a ninety two yard shot you know let's say your full l goes ninety two but clearly it's going to spin a lot when it hits the green, and so you probably better have another shot that goes that far that doesn't spin you know and that just mm-hmm. it, it it takes a lot of work and 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 so many of these great i mean it's just you can't be great now, like truly great
0: without having put in that work yeah. What are some creative things that you do with your team? Like when you guys are out there, team practice and you're playing, I mean, are there any
1: uh, creative games that you simulate? So one thing I, you know,
0: the the one thing I love
1: more than anything, you know, if you're going to practice your chipping, um, is to just get involved in chipping contests with people as much as possible. You know, we we play a game where um, we just have, if there's four guys, we play to 50, you know, it's – four points for the winning chip all the way down to zero. If You miss a green, you lose one. If you hole it, you get five and everybody else gets zero. And, and I just think it's a great fun way to get work done and to keep it, you know, to keep your practice as varied as possible. Um, you know, letting the, the winner of the, of the round, choose the next chip. Um, I, you know, one big piece of advice would be to, I would, I always suggest chipping with one ball um, and just chip it and chase it and go get it and chip it and chase it again. And I think there's value in having to chase down your, your dumpy shots and, and, and having to take ownership of them rather than just dragging another ball over. And not to mention, you know, one thing I, it, it hit me as a young player once I remember hitting, you know, like. 300 chips from the same spot over and over and over and over. And then going on the course yeah. and having a chip shot like on the first hole and feeling like I hadn't done any practice at all because I, it, right. it it was it wasn't the it same It was the same shot. The process of yeah. analyzing deciding what shot to hit, you know, executing it, like that's part of the practice, not the just the technique, but it's, it's, it's everything that goes with it, the judging and the executing and the feedback. And, and I think when you get too many balls involved, you're, you start going through the motions a little bit and you're not going through the whole process Um, in in response to some of the creative things that we do. We, we have, um, and this, you know, again, requires a certain environment in our case, we, we, on campus we have a football field that we've used um our practice field where we hit off mats and we have about 200 yards of, of ground to work with and so we developed these things we call random 20s which i know now that you know part of um like uh, some trackman simulator um they, they call them combines they even have something i right. think that's exactly called that but we've been doing these random 20s for like 11 years now and and we've broken them up into different parts, but in reference to short game or, or that that distance you talked about from about one twenty and in or one ten and in you know we have mm-hmm. something called the small random twenty, which is it's twenty shots from fifty to ninety yards where the the player is hitting, and then the, the proctor or the person um who's grading the test if it's done outside is actually the target, and so they'll be out on the field okay. with a laser and they'll shoot the 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 player. And then they might, you know, the kids have gone to using their phones. I still yell a lot. So I'll just, I'll (laughs) scream 53. And then their job is to kind of, you know, take into account all that's happening, whether it be, is it cold? Are you warmed up? Is the wind blowing? Um, And then their job is to land the ball at my feet. And, and we measure distance it lands from my feet and uh, we write it down and at the end of the twenty shots of, of of the proctor, or in this case, a coach, me in many of the cases, going kind of back and forth between fifty and ninety, um, and stopping it, in, in random spots. You know, we we add up, we, we throw out. The, we've been doing it this way for a while. If I if I did it over ten years back, or eleven years back, or whatever it was, I'd probably throw out only two, but we throw out three. And and what we've established is some standards for proficiency at this yardage gap let's say right so we 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 add up the 20 shots throughout the worst three we end up with a number which is the 17 best shots we know that that if you get if you do the test and get under 40 you're doing pretty well we know if you get you know let's say 40 to 50 you're doing okay and anything over that you need work and so um you know the, the the important part is to 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 understand what good is. Luckily we've done it enough and we've probably done, you know, thousands of these and each, we have three different categories. We've been doing them in over the years, which is 50 to 90, 90 to 135 and 135 to 185. When we know what good is, which um, is kind of the key part of all this because it, it, it allows you to understand if you're in a good spot or if you need work. I mean, and, and very few times without having done this kind of work, are you going to be in a good spot from the start? But we see progress over time. Definitely in um, what I think is a more critical yardage gap, which especially for college golf is like 90 to 135. We call that our middle random. And we find that there's a real, um, maybe not a connection, but an importance um, in this yardage because what we, we end up doing in college is we, we play, a lot of courses with let's say you got a 430 yard hole and you got a kid who hits it 300 or 310 right. and he's got you know inevitably he's got a lot of shots from 90 to 135 and those are the ones that sure. if you you really execute you can pick up a shot um and so we we really pound the middle random with our guys and you know the process there being you start with job one how far do my clubs go um when I hit them full at at X condition, whether it be, you know, say it's 75 degrees, no wind, perfect lie from the fairway. And you start with that. And then, and right. then you learn, you know, the, what, what the, the test does for us. We call them tests, but they can also be called drills, I guess. But what the test does for us is it, it gets us in this, a playing mode. Um, but it also reinforces the importance of knowing your yardage. It reinforces this concept of being able to get it online when you slow down, which is a really hard thing for for a lot of golfers and especially young golfers is is resisting the urge to take that hundred and five yard club and hit it from one thirteen because generally it's it's sure. hard to gauge when you try to add eight um, and so we do a lot of this kind of stuff we do it on a weekly basis and and um, there's just ways that we Uh, not just spice up our practice, but there's ways that we create standards and and then, you know, answer questions about skill level so that we know
0: where work needs to be done. Yeah. And if, you know, just as you're talking through it, and if I'm listening to it, trying to put myself in a junior golfer's shoes, um, what I'm hearing is it, it, you're spending a lot of time, you know, going through those different practices and repetition I think what it's doing at a higher level is building a skill set for the player to be able to walk up to a shot and assess the situation and help in that decision-making process of here are the elements. Here's my distance. I know what shots I have in the bag. Cause these are the things that I've worked on and then help them be able to make a clear decision that they can commit to and feel confident in executing that. shot. Absolutely. It's a,
1: it's a more encompassing experience than just beating balls on a range. You know, that like, yep. you, you rarely will have a shot that doesn't require some level of decision making, especially when you're not on a tee box, but even on a tee box on a par four and a par five, a decision has to be made, but right. generally it's not a, you're not fitting a yardage, but, but my gosh, there's so many decisions that need to be, to be need to be made well in order to play this game well, and so we try to add that to the way we practice because it's very game-like, you know. And and it's not it's sure. not um, it, it it doesn't leave out the important things, which are the judgments and the final decisions and the execution and the feedback. There's all these things that a kid can get out of practicing or a golfer can get out of practicing, um, that generally aren't included when they practice.
0: Right. Right. And, and, and you can't really find those things standing on a flat driving range.
1: No uh, hitting, hitting kind of dumpy balls and, and, um, you you can do it. You can actually do it. If you, if you take the time to to kind of understand how far the, the, the range balls go versus how far the ball you play with goes and and stuff like that. And you can, you can get creative and, and work around the problem of not having places to do these things. Um, But, you know, these are the things we do. We have a bunker test. We do that. I didn't mention, which is we have, we have a, a, a green on campus where we have a bunker and a green. And so over the last 10 plus years, we've had a bunker test. It's 15 shots. It's, it's 12 to the top tier. And then, three to the longer bottom tier away from the bunker. Yeah. And we measure in inches. The ball comes from the target and we throw out the worst two in this case and give them feedback in the form of inches. And And so we've done enough of them to know that, hey, if you, if you were to hit, you know, 15 shots, throw out two, your 13 best add up to 400 inches, don't change what you're doing because it's incredible. <laughs> right. right. But if you get, yeah. if you get 1,200, you know, hey let's fiddle let's experiment let's try let's try to let's try to get the face more open let's try to get the face less open let's try to swing more left or less left and all these things that need to be worked out because we don't you're not doing it at a level required to be competent. now is this the most important skill in golf to be a great bunker player no but who the heck wouldn't want to be great
0: yeah for sure for sure um I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to be conscious of your time. Um, I think we've talked a lot about, you know, just some really good ways to practice and some things that you guys do as a team uh, that help your, your players continue to grow and develop their games. Um, but I'd be missing a major opportunity if I didn't dive in a little bit with you on college recruiting, just because of the level of coaching that you're at. Um, and I want to be very specific as we could talk recruiting for a long time. Right. But um I want to know specifically for this audience, what kinds of things are you paying attention to when you're out there watching players that you're looking at potentially recruiting? Um, okay.
1: So, so if, if, if only referencing what I'm looking at when I'm watching versus what am I looking for in general, um, I'll tell you. When we're, on the, when we're at the course watching a kid play, and this is important stuff for a junior to know because we take notes. Um, first thing we're looking for is, is just kind of a, um, let's say, let's say we decide we're going to go, um, rarely do we show up at a junior tournament unless it's a really big one without kind of a strategy and an idea of who we want to watch. Um, sure. And so let's say we decide, uh, there's this kid who's been playing nicely and, and, um, they're on our radar and, and this is the first opportunity to watch him. So, We'll show up, um, try to catch them on the range before they start. And obviously we're going to start assessing them as a a golfer and as a person from the moment we see them, you know, the way they interact with their folks. um, You know, ideally, you know, one thing we know, you know, starting from the top, one thing we, general rule we find is that the way that a child treats their folks will be the way they treat their coach inside of six months of showing up at at a at a university. Okay. And so that's one thing we want to be aware of um, and and pay mind to is because that's how we're going to end up being treated eventually. Mm -hmm. And so we want, I want to see how much are they doing, you know, and taking ownership of themselves at the tournament Are you know, are they preparing their bag before the round? Are they um, I've seen kids whose parents are applying sunscreen on their arms um, you know, and, and I, I see a lot of parents preparing their, their pull cart before the round and, and like, I want to see a kid who's, you know, in charge, you know, and that's what yeah. I'm looking for. And so, um, you know, who, I want to see the kid go and check in with the, the folks that, you know, if that's what they're supposed to do. And I want to see how they treat the people there and how friendly they are with them. And then they get to the range. I want to see how they warm up. Um, and what they're paying attention to and what it's clearly something that they, they, they think is important versus the things that they don't think are important. I want to see if yeah. they're, they're doing a bunch of positional drills versus just warming up. And, and there might be a time and a place for the positional drills, but maybe not right before they tee off. And, and, and maybe some of it's okay, but not a ton of it. And so you start to get a feel for the way they look at the game. And you do right. this by kind of observing that the way that they warm up, um, you know, first thing, you know, whether this is, it's not necessarily a good thing for everyone, but yeah, I want to see talent wise. Where are they, you know, what kind of, what's the, the ceiling for this kid? You know, if, if clearly in golf, now we know that, that length is, you know, length translates to strokes. Right, the longer sure. you hit it, the easier the game is, and so um, we want to try to get a feel for the kind of speed they have. Um, and we're kind of suckers for that, I'll admit, um, but it does have um, a bearing and an impact on on what this player might be able to achieve. And and there's certain maybe there's certain lower thresholds, and once that's met, then more satisfied. Um, but if you can't meet the lowest threshold, then that in, in our mind, some of our minds, that might be something that we take note of, right? Because it's hard to play this game 40 yards behind everybody. It just makes golf really, really difficult. Um, and so that's the, those are the kind of things we're trying to assess. And then when they play things that I really look for is how they react to, um, good and bad situations, um, you know, and that to me is is not necessarily giving me clues as to I mean it's giving me clues as to what kind of person they are, but it's it's giving me clues to what kind of competitor they are, um and, and mm-hmm. what kind of skill level they have on the mental side, right? And if I see uh a kid with poise and and, and someone who showing an ability to deal with adversity better, um I'm not necessarily making character judgments and in, in, in one is good, one is bad, but I am making mental skill judgments at that point. You know, what, what the game is going to, it's going to tweak you, you know, emotionally and, and, and if you're someone who is reacting and reacting in a big way to both good and bad, you're in for a long day probably and and not only that is you, you're probably um you're to me it's it's showing a, a lack of mental skill which generally leads to the inability to play under pressure to finish out rounds to finish out tournaments and so those are the kind of things that we're looking for you know not to, not yeah. to mention other clues that we're looking for is you know we get a kid who starts with you know, starts around like Gangbusters and 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 how they handle that. You know, so much can be learned from us just looking at a scorecard, let alone watching it as it unfolds. But you see, you know, in our job, we're looking at, you know, is the guy shooting a lot of those thirty four, forties, thirty three, thirty nines. Um, mm. You know, it, it, it's it 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 shows that they have a lot of skill on the physical side and that, that there's maybe a little piece missing. And, and, and then we'd start to make determinations on whether or not we'll be able to, uh, help in, in their, in this obvious need for some me- more mental skill and learning how to control their mind and, and their breathing and their emotions. And so we're looking at everything. Um, and, and I know, you know, in, in a simple, a simple snap answer to your question, well, we want to see them shoot low and want to see the ranking high, but, but we're really anybody who says that's all they look at aren't are being entirely truthful or, or aren't being introspective enough as a coach, because we're looking at everything,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the other coaches that I've talked to have have said the same thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of different components out there other than just the, the end score and the end score can be a good teller of, of some attributes and, you know, in that player, but, all the other intangibles that surround it um you know depending on what you're trying to do in terms of building a team culture and chemistry those are the things that you're paying a lot of attention to sure
1: like like how do they treat the guys they're playing with do they say good shot do they you know it's like there's just do they help them look for a ball or don't they i mean these are all signs of, of right like, you know a, a bigger or smaller things that are coming down the pike and um and so these are things we pay attention to, you know? I mean, yeah. we, uh, you know, we don't always, we, we, well, we rarely get, you know, the pick of the litter, you know, where we're, sure. there's time constraints and there's competition and, and but in the end, you know, and, and, you know, one thing I'll stress and, and, and I don't want to go back too deep into just the physical side, but one thing that I would hope a parent you know, one thing I, I think is important that a parent and a, and a junior golfer understand is that you really have to, if, the, if they want to assess whether or not they're the right kid for a certain program, you know, with a little research, you can find out what have the incoming recruits look like in years past, and how do I compare to them, and you can do that through the rankings. Um, mm-hmm. Pay attention to what the top two or three players are doing in tournaments on their team, because the, those are the players that the coach is recruiting. You know, that that's the right. level of golf that we're, I'm not looking for another seventh man when I, when I go out yeah. and recruit every year. And, and and I think a lot of times what happens is, is you get on, you know, I can see this happening where the parent, and the child gets online, they, they look at the roster, they look at the scoring averages. They they're like, Hey, look at this guy. He's averaging. 74.3. I'm averaging 73. I'm good enough to right. play at Wake Forest. And um, yeah. But the, yeah. the fact of the matter is, is we're not looking for – that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for those top two or three. And so compare yourself to them when you want to see if there's a fit. And I, I think a lot of young people and their folks could spend their time more wisely by being more discerning with what programs they – put in their crosshairs for where they want to end up. Um, Yeah. I mean, some of the emails I get are are really
0: off base when it comes to what we're looking for,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's great advice and, and it kind of leads me into what I want, would like to wrap up with um, and just expanding on that a little bit further, which is what are some ways that um, student athletes and their parents playing a role in this too uh, at times, what things can they do to prepare for the college level in the three areas I think that are the most important as a golf student-athlete, which would be the academics, uh, the golf itself, and then just life skills? Um, Geez, Uh, great question. Um, The
1: the golf to me is – I think it's pretty easy. It, they just need to keep doing what, you know, they, they've done things a certain way to become eligible to go to X, Y, or Z school. And they definitely need to keep, keep at it. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes, unfortunately, we see uh, some weird things happen when a kid commits is that their tournament play starts to drop. And, and that's always a, a really bad sign. To me, it means they don't love golf as much as maybe they need to. Because most golfers right. just want to go play. You know, they, they're just looking for the next tournament, the next tournament. And I know that at times there's there's some financial constraints to that. But, but it's never a good sign when, as a coach, we see a kid who used to play 20 tournaments a year start playing six. Um, and so keep your tournament play and you're, you're, you're keep competing. Don't, you know, if you played high school golf, don't stop playing high school golf. I think high school golf is incredibly awesome because it keeps you – you know, you've got something once or twice a week to go do, you know, where, where people are keeping score. So keep doing that. Um, on the school side, that's a, um, it's an interesting one. Some kids come fully prepared and some kids come not prepared at all. And a lot of that, you know, falls in the hands of two things is is where they went to high school and then their folks. And so hopefully you're in a situation where your high school is, is, is keeping you accountable. Um, because in college, you will be, um, one of the things I've seen with my own children is high school has turned into this place where there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like retaking of tests. There's a lot of opportunities for extra credit. There's, it's like really Hmm. hard to fail and and, and, and (laughs) even get a C let alone a B, um, uh, or let alone a D I should say. And so, one thing i would i would stress is to understand that in college like one thing i've seen unfortunately is some kids come in ill prepared and they don't really get it sometimes until the second semester of their first year that it it requires you know daily time and effort and it's not in, in high school there's this There's this track that you can follow, which is, you know, tests are only usually a week or two apart and, and you can kind of maybe some kids might think it's okay to cruise for the first week and a half. And then they, they, they do some cramming on a Thursday night for a Friday test and they do okay. The problem with that is that they take that same methodology and apply it to, to college, but the tests in college are generally about four to six weeks apart. And so they, they they take a similar strategy and then they, they try to cram four to six weeks into a day or two and they end up falling up way short. And so right. I would just emphasize that, um, you know, two things that teachers in college generally aren't going to let you retake anything and aren't going to offer any extra credit and that um, you have to keep up. You have to keep up um, and keeping up you know one of the things i hear a lot from our kids is if you just go to class and that's another really interesting thing about college that's different than high school is is <laughs> right. that you in college you a lot of times you don't have to um it, it, in smaller schools or smaller classes um they'll take attendance and you better show up when they do but there's some that don't um but you're really missing an opportunity if you're if you're skipping out on a lecture um, because you're, that's just like studying for an hour or an hour and twenty minutes. Um, and right. so, keep up. You know, the big thing I would say is keep up and understand that that um, you know the the empathy level from instructors goes way down compared to high school. You know, and they're not going to sure. find a way for you to retake the test for half credit or whatever. There's just no none of that that goes on in college. And then, as far as life skills go, that's just stuff you learn as you go. Hopefully, you've you've been you know, uh, exposed to things like maybe being involved in making plans for, you know, and and we don't see it in every case for sure. A lot of times the kids are really well taken care of by their parents. um, When it comes to signing up for tournaments, making plans to go to the tournament, where they're going to stay and, and, you know, all the way down to doing their laundry. And, and, and once you get to school, a lot of that goes out the window. And so, um, so much of that is the training that they've gotten as a young person from their family environment. And, and, um, you know, that I would just be ready. I'd be ready once you hit the ground at college, that things are going to change, especially if you've, you've grown up in an environment where a lot of, of, of the everyday minutia gets covered by your parents. You know, one, a way that happens a lot is that you, you see that the application's are being done by their folks. And, and like a lot of the communication between myself and the family is, is going through myself and, and the, and the parents and not me and the kids. And you start to recognize that this kid is going to need a little extra prodding when it comes to conquering tasks and taking care of business. And, and, and I would, uh, I would try to understand as a young person that when you get to college, that's a big part of it, you know, uh, stressing just simply having a to-do list would be an incredible step in the right direction, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a big step. I, I, uh, most kids are wildly successful and, and others need a little more time to hit the ground running, but it's such a great time in somebody's young life and it's such a cool opportunity. And, um and, way above and beyond the golf it's a it's a chance to to really expand and and to grow
0: yeah yeah for sure well um i really appreciate you taking time to to chat with us i mean we could keep going i'm sure because there's just so much to to unpack um you know for this audience but you know i think we did a pretty good job of giving some good information around preparation and uh both golf and just life and in academics um and i appreciate your time
1: yeah Matt, thanks so much for having me i hope something i said has helped somebody
0: yeah absolutely well i know it has um and everybody will pull a little bit away from it in their own way um but yeah thanks for your time and and i uh, look forward to talking to you soon awesome good luck all right thanks chris Bye. Well, guys, that wraps up episode 19 of Junior Golf Keys with another great guest in Coach Zambri from USC's men's golf team. I hope you guys were able to pull away some valuable information. I think it was a unique chat that I got to have with Chris. I actually found out while we were discussing, as you heard, uh, that he's got a son that's going to be going to play for him. And, you know, I thought that was a pretty neat dynamic to bring into the conversation, uh, along with all the other stuff that we talked about. So, um, if you guys took away any value from this show, please share it, please leave a review. Also make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we have lined up. Um, like I said, uh, before we kicked off the show today, I'm just really excited about 2020 and where this show is going to go. I've got, um, some exciting guests that are coming. Uh, like I said, a couple curveballs uh, that'll come at you, but all in all, uh, geared towards bringing you guys some good value around navigating the junior golf world. And, um, I hope you enjoy it. So I appreciate you tuning in and, uh, hope you join me next week for another episode of junior golf keys.